All right. Well, we are starting something new today. Um, all right. Well, I'm skipping all over the place. Okay. Put me on the second slide. All right. Yeah, that'll be fine right there. All right. So we'll get to this slide in just a second. So we'll just, we'll just sit here tight. You can stare at that and wonder what it is for a minute. Um, we're starting a new something new today, which is um, church history. Um, I decided that I wanted to teach through church history, I guess it was about a year year and a half ago I decided I wanted to do this because of some conversation I was having with different people in the church and outside the church. I realized we had no idea where we were from, what we've gone through, why we believe what we believe, how we came to these things. People say, well, only the Bible. Well, the Bible and about 1,500 years of people interpreting it and and and. <laughs> And, and, and showing you in translations of the scriptures and, you know, um, and struggle and rights that we've done and wrongs that we've done. And, and, and I, I just, I feel that as I was praying about this, I decided that we need to do this because if we don't see where we've been, we're going to make the same mistakes of the past. And... We're going to cover some of the mistakes. We're going to see where we're from and, and sometimes what we did right, sometimes what we did wrong, and sometimes just what is. Um, so when I say history, what do you think of? What's history? Past? Old Testament? History, um, it's been defined a lot of different ways in the past. Um, incidents, information about incidents. Uh, I want to say it was Napoleon who said it's, uh, it's bunk. Um, of course, he said it in French, so it probably sounded better. Um, a fable well agreed upon. Um, a historian named Dan Jones once said, history is a dialogue with the past. And that's the one I like the most. History is our dialogue, our discussion with the things that's come before us. It's not just the events, it's how we interpret the events. I mean, there's no way we can know everything that went on in the past that affects today. It's just not everything is recorded. And yet everything is connected. Everything is connected. That's why you can't predict the future unless you... There was a theory out. Um, Isaac Asimov, he had this book where he, he writes about being able to predict the future if you know enough of the variables. But there's a wrench that's thrown in there is you can't know all the variables. The chaos theory states if, you know, 
butterfly flaps its wings, it causes an earthquake, uh, a hurricane. You just can't know all the variables. And uh, history is, is, is that dialogue with the past that we, uh, we struggle with as we, we seek to, to understand where we've been and to understand where we might be going. You guys know me. History is my passion. I love history. And so I study it all the time. And I'm not going to say I'm an expert in church history. Far from it. So you ask me a question, my best answer may be I'll have to look it up. Because I'm not an expert in church history. There's just too much out there that I have not learned. Um, But I think we could say history is a dialogue with the past, then church history is the dialogue with the past that directly involves the Christian church. I say Christian church because it's, we're, ta- we're not talking about Islamic church or, or Jewish ch- uh, synagogues. or We're just talking about the Western Christian church. Um, and so we're going to do that. Um, One author said that it was the works of the Holy Spirit in and through the church imparted by a supernatural elements to the church history. I thought that was a bit uh, over, but what he was meaning was saying that it was what we understand as church history is the Holy Spirit working through God's people in the past to lead us to where we're at now. And sometimes it's us not listening to him. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. We're going to be real. We have not always done right. But we've done some wonderful things as well. So we're going to look at some of the both of those. Um, now, when we look at the histories of the past, it's not just something we're like recording stories that any story that's going on. People, uh, historians use scientific method to work with archaeologists archeologi- uh, to unearth the past. So it's not just, it is a science. History is a, a form, it is also a science. And so historians will use literary criticism to evaluate documents. They'll use, um, Art in the catacombs of Rome, they'll use archaeology, all to get at what's going on. Also, historians are philosophical. They have philosophies in in history. Um, Looking at the different ways that we see the world and nature and and time and, and, and how that affects the way we think as people... Historians have to be involved with everything. There is nothing that is not involved in history. So mathematics is part of history. Science part of history. Philosophy part of history. Uh, that's why sometimes I feel like a, a jack of all and master of none. Of course, the saying keeps going, Jack of all, master of none, still better than a master of one. Um, That's how the saying actually goes. Uh, (laughs) But um, because 
as I study history, there's nothing that's not connected. So that being said, we are going to be using a bias. I've used that word before. What is bias? Bias is, um, we all have biases, right? Things that we are biased against or that we are, uh, it, it's, it's, it may be um, the way we work at things. Yes. There you go, a point of view. Predisposition to a point of view. Most times, sometimes it's based on the experiences of your parents or because societal biases. Um, well, that goes back to your experiences because you were raised in that society. We as Americans have societal biases um, because of where we, you know, how we've grown up. Um, but there's no such thing as unbiased history. No such thing. So I'll say this is an unbiased history. They're lying to you. There's no such thing. Because you yourselves have a bias. Some people it's racial. Some people it's economic. Some people it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, you have a point of view. And you have a bias against certain things and for certain things. I mean, just consider what kind of music you like. You are biased towards that kind of music or against that kind of music. And you say, well, I hate thrash, thrash metal. I like thrash metal. I have a bias towards the heavier stuff. You have a bias against it. That's okay. We recognize it. We, we, we stand in it. But, but as we think about history, there's no such thing as a pure history. Even if we were to, I mean, take a video camera and watch the same scene, we would all see it differently, focus in on different experiences that's why eyewitness they, cops are, are always saying eyewitness reports are so unreliable because we, we 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 don't see we don't remember things we we have our own biases you know you may see there you know whether it's racial bias and you we have trouble it's not even if you're not racist you have trouble seeing uh features of the of another race that's just because you're not used to looking at Someone of another race. For most people. That's just a scientific... That's not racism. That's just you're not used to looking for the differences in the features. So you have trouble seeing these things. Um, you know, we all look at things differently. So there's no such thing as an unbiased history. We are going to be using a bias. We are looking at church history. Which means it is biased towards the church we're not going to be looking at some of the roman history we're going to be touching on roman history but i'm not going to be talking about the fall of the roman history and how that come about of course that's very interesting the decline and fall of rome eight volume series really good um You know, we're not, we're not going to be talking about the Byzantine Empire. We're not going to talk about mathematics in, in, the, in this, these lecture series, even though it affects the church. You know, Pythagoras, when he came out and wrote his, the theorem, that was part of a, a, a series of events and a way of thinking that affects the church. And, and so, but we're not going to be talking about that because it's, we're biasing our history towards the, the church history. 
So it's, it's, it is it is churches. We can seek to uh, eliminate our biases, but there's no way we can actually get rid of them altogether. Um. I am going to use the work, um, this, this uh, Christianity through the centuries, as my basis for going through this. I chose to use a book that I'm familiar with, that is an introduction, to try to keep me grounded. Because, as I've said, everything is history and I, everything's interesting to me. <laughs> um, so this is going to help keep me grounded. If you want to buy the book, you can follow along. Uh, some points of, the, uh, of what we're going to do here, I'm going to quote directly from it, read directly from it. Other times I'm going to be a little more loose with it. But this is the book I'm going to be following. We're going to get into names and dates. Thank God you guys aren't taking an exam. So, because I'm... <laughs> uh, not like I had to. Um, but this is the book I'm going to be using primarily. Uh, it's not the only book, however, I'm going to be using. Um, this one right here is another one that is really good. And I almost went with this as my primary base. It's the only reason I chose not to go with this one. It might actually be a better one for this, but I'm not as familiar with it. So I chose to to go with this uh, uh, church history in plain language. Uh, this one's very good for the lay T. Um, I see some of you writing, so I won't go on to the next book. <laughs> this is another personal favorite of mine. Um, the story of Christianity by Justus Gonzalez. Uh, I actually uh, really like this book. Um, it's a fairly thick but easy to read church history. Um, and my all-time favorite is The History of Christianity. There's two volumes in this one by Latterette. And I chose not to use this one, even though it's my all-time favorite, because this is a master's level work. And I'm trying to get it down to a, a, a undergrad level work. <laughs> um. And as we, I say that, yes, I have taken masters in this. Like I said, I'm not an expert in this. So if I get going too fast or get over your heads or are missing a bit of history that I take for granted that you know and you don't, don't be afraid to stop me and say, wait, we can always take more time to go through this. If there's something you're not understanding or a bit of history that led up to this event and you're like, wait, I, sometimes I forget what people know and what people don't know. Um, in history because I've been studying it since I was uh, I think I fell in love with history around the 8th grade 
when someone bought me a book on the Civil War. Um, so, yeah, so I've been studying history for a long time, so I forget sometimes what people do and do not know. So don't assume that you're the only one. Stop me, ask the question. No one's going to go down on you. No one's going to be upset with you unless you start making me go over. <laughs> All right. Uh, one last thing on biases and the works that I'm going to be using. Um, I'm going to be using the word pagan as we go through this. Um, I don't like the word pagan. It is a word that is referenced to anything that's not Christianity, basically. And I don't like the term. It's too broad and it's too demeaning. Um, and it doesn't bring out actually what they're worshiping or studying as a, a person who loves to study the other religions and the people groups. And if you just throw everything under one group, pagan you're really demeaning and undermining the beautiful richness of the people group that does often convert to Christianity or not. And so uh, and it, it's easier for us to attack them, those pagans, because we're throwing everything that's not Christianity into one group. Now, that being said, I will be using it because many of the old, a well, great deal of the old works do refer to anything that's not Christianity, as pagan. So I'm going to be using it just out of default um, and because I'm not going to stop and go over what the Visigoths believed over the Gauls. Um, that goes outside the view of church history and the bias we're following. So if you want to know what the Visigoths believed, we can talk about that another time. They're known as the barbarians. We will get to that around the year 400? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like 476 when they say the Visigoths invaded, but somewhere in that area. You won't have to memorize the dates like I did. <laughs> um, all right. Value of church history. Why should we study church history? Okay, so we don't make the same mistake twice. Know where we're going. So know the past, know the future. So you know how you're at now. I mean... Absolutely. One thing we don't want to be is ignorant people that just say, you know, we say we're Christians. You believe in Christ, right? We say we're Christians. How many of us know our ancestry? Oh, well, okay, how many, do you guys know your own personal ancestries? Most of us don't, and we know some of them. Well, we're like that in the church, too. We've forgotten where it come from. We've forgotten the rich culture that we, we've, that we are. 
we in the United States talk about where we came from, you know, you know, we actually came, Europeans came to the United States. Uh, we've only been around as a nation for about oh, a little over 200 years. We were here a long time before that. Um, we didn't just string up as our own nation. And, 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 and what led us here is, is part of our ancestry and, and how we came in contact with other group, people groups is part of our ancestry and, and how we intermingled and interracial marriages and that's part of our ancestry. And as a, as a church, how we came in contact with other people groups that left as we left. You know, we, we talk about how Paul took the word to the Gentiles, and while those Gentiles spread it further, and how they encountered and came in contact and how they developed into what we are now, that's part of our ancestry. Oh, absolutely. And we are going to follow some bases on that. Uh, that's a good a good point. As we talk about each culture, what happened? We we are going to follow um, a Western European version of the story. We're not going to we're going to leave the uh, Eastern Orthodox Church behind not long after the Great Schism because it doesn't really affect us here until we start inter- until the people from that area started coming over to the United States. It doesn't really affect us, you know our this church's history, if you go back far enough, is mostly following from Rome. I know from the Catholics. I don't know you guys. Some of you guys are like anti-Catholics. It actually comes from the Catholic Church. Um, that schismed from the other churches and created their own. And and there's you know and and so how that develops is very important. And we'll look at some of that. We're going to follow some of a bias. You know, just what we choose to put in there and leave out is a bias. Um, and so, I'm, like I said, I'm going to, we're not going to be talking about, as, as being an intro, we're not going to be talking about some of the fringe groups that, you know, that are fascinating. I got four centuries of church theology right in, at my house, and it's fascinating read. But most of the groups in there, we won't talk about. Because, <laughs> um, you know, we just don't have that kind of preview. So we are going to follow that. Um, but we, we do follow it for understanding, uh, to aid in understanding the presence, how we got to where we're at, why we're the way we are. Maybe we've made some mistakes. Maybe we need to get not back. I hate when we say, let's get back to the way. Let's move forward, maybe to reconciliation, maybe not, maybe to this, maybe that. You know, we can't go backwards. That's impossible for us to do. We say, let's go back. We can't go backwards. Why can't we go backwards? It's in the past. That's right. Time only moves one direction for us, anyways. Time only moves one direction. Forward. We can't go backwards. So if we're going to say, let's get back to something, well, maybe we want to reclaim something. Move. We have to move forward to do that. So we study the, the, the church. We study history to know where we're at. Um, you know, how different liturgical practices became understood. Um, 
you know, anything simple like, uh, you know, like why we celebrate communion the way we do, or how baptism and communion became the two that we, two sac- major sacraments, and uh, you might throw uh, marriage in that as well. You know, but we've done away with, but then other churches have other sacraments as well, like catechism and the, the uh, and confession and uh, and last rites and stuff like that. And how, where those, you know, these things are important. How we got to where we're at, why we do the things we do, why does church look the way it looks? This is important. We may not think about it, but it's important because it doesn't always end up that way. You know. Um, and of course, I think the, one of the most important reasons we study the past and the church history is to remind us to avoid the evil and emulate the good. What goods have we done? How can we emulate that and avoid the things that were not good? Because if we're going to move forward in health, we have to avoid those things that are bad. Um, organization of church history. Um, I put this in here. There are different branches of church history, um, different topics we can follow, and we will fall, talk about it, uh, some of these individually at different times, such as political, uh, the relationship between the church and the state, secular environment, how, you know... Um, the secular environment in the church, these political movements, we're going to be talking some about that as we go through this. Um, but that also means um, well, we'll have to talk about some politics, uh, ancient politics and modern ones. But uh, ancient ones, you know, like you can't understand... Um, you can't understand the, the reversal of the policy in France... Uh, that it revolved around, you know, the the change from the situation created the civil constitution of the clergy in 1790, um, separate from the Concord of Napoleon in 1801, um, which I know is is way up there. And some of you guys are like, I don't understand what any of that is. But we have to take that some of this stuff is is works together. How the church and the state works together. We'll talk about the Byzantine Empire. We'll talk about Constantine. We'll talk about the fall of Roman Empire. We'll talk about uh, um, the Vandals and the Goths. You know, I just was reading about them the other day. How that all works together. We're going to have to talk about political climate. We're going to have to talk about how the church um, propagated, um, spread, spread its message, and. And how its mission fields and and uh, and the stories and the techniques which the gospel has been carried to other ones and some good ways that it's been carried and some bad ways that it's been carried and um, absolutely sometimes they're this uh, sometimes absolutely. Um, we're also going to look at persecution. Uh, one of the, the sessions we're going to have, and I'm, I kind of like to do it. We'll take a vote later, make sure, see if you guys actually want to do it. 
Well, I found this hour-long video on, so I'd take up the entire class on YouTube, and it's about the first female, uh, one of the first females uh, that are persecuted in the church. Really interesting video. Uh, I thought it was fascinating. Um, we'll talk about persecution. Um, you know, we, 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 we often talk about Muslim persecution today, but it's, you know, it's part of of the Christian faith too. We've, we've been persecuted, they've been persecuted. Some of it's been, you know, Diocletius and uh, the, the different persecutions have a, had a, a major impact on the church. We're going to have to talk about polity. Anyone know what the word polity means? That's one of those church words that we don't ever use anymore. Polity. P-O-L-I-T-Y, polity. It's how the church is governed. That's, that's basically what that word means. It means how the church is governed. Uh, we're going to have to look at like how it came to be in a, you know, the Pope and how it split from the Pope and how it became to the, you know, what happened to the church in Constantinople, what happened to the church in Alexandria, what happened to, and how the church was run and then the literature of the, the church fathers. Oh, church fathers are fascinating. Origen and, um, and Tertullian and, oh, just wonderful works that really influence the what we believe today. We say, well, only the Bible. But their thinkings developed the way we interpret the scriptures and how even our scriptures have been translated, have been influenced by these great workers, these great, we call them the apostolic fathers, the church fathers, early church fathers, um, pre and post Nicene. Uh, the Nicene was, we'll talk about this, is 325 when the Council of Nicaea, which did not take have anything to do with taking books out of the Bible. I just want to throw that out there. I see that a lot on, on, on social media a lot. The Church of Nicaea took 13 books out of the Bible. Did not. Church of Ni- the Council of Nicaea had nothing to do with that. Uh, very fascinating. Um, you know, we'll look at the, the works of, of Justin the Martyr. Oh. Um. Anyway. Uh, we're also going to look at um, the outworking, or the practical outworking of of, Christ, uh, of of Christian faith, as influenced uh, in church history, uh, which you know, like the lifestyle of church people, how that changes. You know, one of the interesting things about uh, how people view God in times is do they view it like. Are they peaceful or not? You can go back and read history books, and I don't know how much we'll talk about this, but um, as we look at God, if we believe God is more like if peaceful, then we are more peaceful. If we believe God is more violent, then we are more violent. And, and people often use God as more violent when they want to be at war with people. And this is, like, we'll see this, uh, you know, a great example of this is the Persian era. Uh, you know, we're, you know, we're, um, you know, we're, we're, we we talk about, uh, well, we, but you know, there's different, uh, different, you know, um, when we view God as peaceful, we want peace for ourselves, and if we want war, we're going to make God war violent, um, and it affects even today with people that are pro-war, often see God, they're doing God's work by. By attacking, or they're going doing war by building up the military. They're doing God's work because 
because they and they and I'm not saying they they really believe that it's 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 not I'm not putting them down they believe that that's part of the very because as they see God and their lifestyle reflects that but then people who believe that we should end the war we we don't need to be in war we don't you know and, and some people are in the point where I don't you know you know let someone kill me because you know like there's no self defense because they believe God is so peaceful and, and you know and 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 they are use and it's how they view God and we're going to look at some of those shifts throughout church history because that's, that's, that actually influences a lot to do with how the church is organized and what we believe and what we do. I mean, consider the Crusades where people were ignorant of, re, of what the Bible actually said and so the, the leaders were using the church to get their own power and finances and so they were leading Crusades to convert people and people honestly thought they were doing the will of God because their leaders were telling them so and they didn't know any better. You know, but the leaders' motivations were about power, influence, and money. Not, they didn't really, you know, I mean, um, but uh, one of the other things we'll talk about is presentation, you know, um, church styles, Fascinating study, how churches looked. Um, pros and cons of that. Uh, how we present the truth. You know, like this, this right here, really new, though probably outdated. <laughs> uh, interesting enough, our education system is always behind um, the PowerPoint system. Um, and church is actually going away uh, because everyone has their phones and stuff like that, so they're using different methods to to present information now. Um, fascinating. And I'm interested to see where the metaverse takes us in presentation of information. Um, not necessarily metaverse, but that VR uh, mentality. I'm interested to see where that takes us in the future. Uh, um, but also presentation includes things like what songs we sing. You know, uh, actually, uh, what were we watching? It wasn't on Hulu the other night. I want to say it was on Hulu. There was a wonderful documentary on Jesus music, um, how it came out of the, the, the Jesus movement uh, um, and the church that happened in California and how it influenced the rest of the church into the 90, 80s and 90s and, and leading up to today and, 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 and some predictions uh, so, um, interesting. Uh, handouts. Everyone loves handouts. Some of you guys are like, I never touch these again. All right, what we're passing out here is periods of church history. We are looking at the past. Um, so we, uh, we do have to talk about timelines. Now, I'm trying to cut back on this as much as possible. 
But there's going to be some jumping back and forth in time. That's inevitable because we follow one track and then we have to come back and talk about another track. I'm trying to cut back that as much of that as possible because it gets confusing. I don't know how many of you guys are, have been like that. You know, you're, you're like, wait, which period of time are we in? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to try to make it as clear and concise so that we stay on, on, on track. But what I've done for you here is, get, uh, is done a, f- a couple of handouts. One, the, the first handout that chronolog- uh, chronological of the church history, which you also see on the board here. This is straight from that book I told you I was going to follow, Christianity Through the Centuries. That's straight from that book. Um, and it's a, a pretty detailed uh, timeline so that you'll see some of the major things that we're ta- going to be talking about as we go through. Um, I don't know how fast we're going to move or how slow we're going to move. It just depends on how you guys respond and how, how we do and, you know, um, and how much fun I'm having. <laughs> because um, it is fascinating. But um, the second one is one I typed up. And this is kind of an overview, uh, periods of church history. This kind of is an overview uh, to give you, like, where we're going to sit. Um, the first section that we're going to sit with is going to be the ancient church history. And that's 5, 5 B.C. to 590. Um, I've been working through this section. Uh, I know we've got several weeks in this section. Um, so we're not going to go too fast through it. Um, but it ends at 590, and we'll be looking at a lot of the setup stuff in that, that time period. Uh, how we got to, you know, being the, 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 the Christ, Western Christian church. Uh, all happens in that 590 period. Um, and I, I've been going back through and trying to cut some things out. Um, but... Um, so, you know, the first chariot, it reveals the growth of the apostolic church, the early church, um, into the old Catholic, the imperial church, and um, beginning of the, of the Roman Catholic church. It's going to be centered around the Mediterranean basin, which is um, Israel, Asia, Africa, Europe, that, all that center around the Mediterranean Sea, um, and how it operated the church operated in the greco-roman world because what happens is the roman empire is over paul in paul's time the roman empire is there and so it follows the 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 roman empire it doesn't go so much into china stuff like that though there is evidence that it does but a lot of our history doesn't so um we're gonna leave a lot of china and stuff like that out india is gonna be left out of this discussion because it doesn't, like I said, it's a bias. It doesn't really affect our current situation. Though, if you're interested in how it got to China and when and where, and early churches, early people going to China, it's actually a pretty interesting study. We don't know a lot, um, but kind of interesting. We know later stuff like the Jesuits. Um, 
But spread of Christianity is in, in the, to the empire 100. That's the Roman Empire. Um, how Christianity emerged. And then the struggles of the old Catholic imperial church to survive in a time of persecution. Martyrs. Um, this is often what we think of when we think of the early church. Those martyrs being killed. The early church of... Um, that's going to be in 100 or 313. And then 313 to 500 is when the old Catholic imperial church really becomes dominant. And we get the setup for the Roman Catholic church. And, um, and monasticism is an arise. And, um, and it virtually becomes the Roman Catholic church. And all of Christianity really becomes, not, not every bit of it, but most... Is the largest leader is the Roman Catholic Church. Then we're gonna go what we call medieval. I'm not a big fan of the term medieval, but it's it's what is there. Um, it's five ninety to uh, fifteen seventeen. What happens in fifteen in the fifteen hundreds? That kind of ends this. Well, plagues around then too, but no, that's one of the 1300s. Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther, Zwingli. Um, yeah, so we're going to talk about the um, tectonic, the Latin tectonic. Uh, 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 Teutonic, uh, which uh, Latin, uh, it would be like the Roman church. Um, the tribes, um, inter- you know, and, and the, um, we're going to talk about in 590 to 800, we're going to talk about Gregory the First and uh, his evangelism, the, the invaders, the Goths, the Visigoths, the... Um, the Hun, you know, all the, the, those groups, um, alliances that were made. Um, we're going to look at ebbs and flow between church and state because sometimes the church and state get along really well and sometimes the state rules over the church and sometimes the church rules over the state. And actually, I think bad things when both of those happen. Um, that's why I like the separation of church and state. I don't like it when there's the church is ruling over the state either, because uh, then it becomes a position of power. And actually, we have evidence that like some people got into the church just because they wanted to be political leaders, and they don't even believe in Christ. They just because um, it's a position of power. And if the church is ruling over the state, well, then they're going to be part of that state, the church. I don't really care for that. Um, it leads to corruption and and stuff and uh, and doing all kinds of wonderful things in the name of Christ that have nothing to do with Christ. Um, uh, 10, 10 hundred or thirteen hundred. We're gonna look at the supremacy of the papacy, which is the Pope. Uh, Thomas Aquinas is during that time. Um, we're going to look at um, reformers, um, Wycliffe, John Huss, uh, 
uh, Martin Luther, the Luther, the, the Protestant Reformation. That all take place in 1517 to 1600, the Reformation, the Calvin Reformation. Uh, the Jesuits will be during that time period. Um, Uh, church and society tensions, um, Latin America, Africa. We're going to get into a little bit of all that. Um, and well, as we're going through this, we'll probably take some breaks from time to time and do other things because I understand that some of you guys are not as interested in this as me. <laughs> And you'll need a break to process what we're what we've been what we're learning. So we'll be doing some some stuff, and, um, and and so if I get going too long, let me know, and we'll find a good spot uh, spot to break and 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 uh, and, uh, and break for that um, as we go through. Um, so. Um, Anyway, any questions about what we're going to be doing for the next few weeks and why we're doing it? And yay or nay, I'm looking forward to it. Some of you are looking forward to it. Some of you are not. That's cool. I, like I said, I hope some of my enthusiasm gets passed on to you guys because I find this absolutely fascinating. If I had discovered church history before, I might have just ma mastered in it, but they didn't have that where I was going to school at. Um, so I don't know what I would have done, just you know, church historian. Well, yeah, and where we're going, well, we can't know that unless we look at the past, right? Moving forward, absolutely. We're going to move forward. Um, one of the things that I actually, as you're saying that, one of the things that I want to do as we look in the past is we can start thinking some things that, that you know, we, we need to be aware of what we see in our culture today that is unhealthy, try to fix those things. And what is healthy from the past that we can bring in, or what are we doing now that we need to make sure we preserve, and how can we preserve some of those things? And sometimes they don't match up. You know, what you think is important may not be important in the long run, you know? Um, historically speaking, we see some things, we focus on certain things, and if we focus on them too tight, they disappear. Well, let's, let's take uh, homosexuality. We can try to preserve and homosexuals are bad and evil and all that. But if you focus too much on, on the sexuality part, you take your eyes off of God. And instead of what we need to be doing is changing that into uh, let's lift up God, restore the family and God's plan for the family and marriage and and then things like homosexuality that will actually solve itself out in the long run these are things that I mean, well, I mean honestly they can't reproduce if they're 
but but it will um, but it, but it will it will it will uh, it will work itself out. It's uh, homosexuality throughout history has been a sign of a a nation that has lost its family basis. And I'm not saying that that's what causes it, but it, it, and it might be what causes it. But it's it is it's been a sign of a nation in decline because it's it's it. Well, but it is, it's, 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 it's a sign, and so when we focus on, but I'm just using this as an example, if we, if we focus too much on the homosexuality, we've taken our eyes off of God, and that will, you know, but if we focus back on God and the truth, and we see this play out in history over and over again, if you, if you, if you focus in on a sin, you're actually going to make things worse. But if we reclaim the God, just live life for God, and Christian be Christian, and live life with love and compassion of Jesus, and truth, and his justice and mercy, and you know, all these things of God, all the characters of God, then these things work themselves out. <laughs> um, and so, and, and that's one thing we can see as we look at the history, as we go forward. But you're right. We need to focus on where we're going as well. What, how, how we're going to, uh, where we're going to go forward at. Um. Yeah, those who uh, fail history are 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 destined to repeat history. <laughs> Um, sometimes, yes, there's definitely periods where he have dropped the ball. We do have to focus back on Jesus. Um, we have to do focus on Jesus, not focus back on just focus on Jesus. I, I, I even get into that habit of saying back. Can't go backwards. Let's focus on Jesus and, uh, and work forward in that. Um, as we, we seem to, um, as we, we work forward, um, one of the things that I want to do as we go through this is there'll be times when we stop and we just talk about church theology, and I haven't worked out when and where those will be. Some of that's going to be as I develop what the class is going to look like because I'm not, I got, you know, I had the COVID and the mom, was grandma dying and that, so I'm a little behind in my preparations, so I'm a little further behind than I really wanted to be as we started this. Um, we will be stopping and looking at certain key theological points. Um, and we'll be looking at all the different points. I don't want anyone getting mad because I'm not following just your point of view. <laughs> we'll look at the different points of view on some of these issues. 
our biases, we have to take the perspectives and what happened and what didn't happen. And, and some of these things will be obvious as we, what ha- will happen, and some of these things don't, because there are some issues that we'll need to look at as we go through church history that are fascinating. And I'll bring up some different documentation. What I'd love to see, and I don't know if we'll, any of you guys are brave enough to try it, but I'd love to see a debate happen between some members of our congregation where I give you a topic. We could, uh, here's the one that you guys are at least familiar with. We can choose other ones, stuff like Calvinism and Arminianism. And I'd love just to give you one person Arminianism and one Calvinism and see you guys argue from that perspective and, and, and have a debate or maybe a team's debate. I think it'd be fun to see what happens. But actually debate as if it was your point of view not like oh well we need to be i hate it when people are like oh well we just need to be cooperative no act like you believe it we always love each other afterwards but well, i'd love to see some debates happen we'll see if that happens or not i don't know how brave you guys will be as we start going through this um, um, but there's some there's wonderful things that we we'd love to debate as they go through uh, as we go through the history. Um, uh, and that would have forced you guys to do some research on your own, which I know some of you guys are like, yeah, I'd love to do some research on my own. And some of you guys are like, I don't have time for that. And that's cool, too. No, God is not dead. It was about a student, and a, they had a straw man theology. I was it was it was a fun movie ish. Too many strong straw man cases. Um, what? Uh, I'm sorry. You may not know what a straw man is. A straw man argument. Sorry. Straw man argument is when you put up a fake man made of straw that you argue against. So a fake argument. And it's usually not the real argument. It's a straw man made of straw. It's not the real man. It's the fake man that you're arguing against. And so when you say you're giving a straw man, and and this is a debate tactic that you can read books on rhetoric. They talk about straw man uh, arguments. So a man made of straw where you make this facsimile of the argument, but you're not actually arguing with the real argument. You're making this, and God is not dead turned the atheist professor he wasn't actually an atheist he was an agnostic who had turned away from god so he wasn't really arguing against atheists he was talking about a hurt man who was anti-god because he had been hurt and so it was a it was a straw man it wasn't the real man he was a real what they were saying he was an atheist it was a straw man Uh, so that was my major problem with the movie was it was a straw man argument
um, I think they could have just marketed it as what it was. It was a great sermon on the love of God restoring a relationship that had been broken <laughs> um, through debate in a philosophical class. And so I think that was great, but it, it was not a great book. for. And someone told me, well, you just watch this movie and you learn how to argue against atheism. No, you're arguing about a straw man. <laughs> um, so, like I said, great movie if you look at it one way, not so great if you look at it another way. Um, yeah, Strawman, books on rhetoric. You know, they used to teach rhetoric, I'm told. I, I never learned rhetoric. Um, I think we should restore the, the teaching of rhetoric. Uh, those of you who don't know, rhetoric is like how to debate and make arguments and cases and Uh, any other comments? It is time to go, but we have enough questions for one more question if we need it. All right, someone closes out in prayer, and hopefully you'll be excited about this as I am next week. Who wants to close this out? Amen.